my God, my all. Amen. The tomato was not accepted as a food in the United States until 1820. It was September 26, 1820 to be exact. So the 201st anniversary is coming up. Be sure to celebrate. The introduction was quite a scene. Prior to 1820, the tomato was assumed to be a poisonous plant because its bright red, yellow, and orange colors clearly meant that the plant was associated with witchcraft and cancer. Even the scientific name for tomato translates as wolf peach. So when a centric local farmer in Salem, New Jersey, Colonel Robert Johnson, wanted to prove that tomatoes were safe to eat. He set the stage. At high noon, he ascended the courthouse steps. Crowds gathered from the region wide over, and newspapers covered the event. The local firemen's band played dirges as Johnson ascended the steps with his basket full of tomatoes and began to eat them. The crowd of onlookers were sure that he was facing certain death, tempting fate with each tomato that he ate. Newspaper accounts say that with each bite, at least one woman fainted. But as we know, the tomato is perfectly safe. But for the crowd that day, it was something that they learned. And as Johnson finished the basket of tomatoes, the band changed their tune from dirges to a victory march. And the crowd cheered as Johnson lifted high an empty basket and left the stage. And by all accounts, lived in undisputed good health until the ripe old age of 79 and is buried in Salem, New Jersey at St. John's Episcopal Church. That's right, he's one of us. <laughs> oh. Stories like this are found frequently throughout history. It's almost a quintessential part of our human experience. We encounter something new and we have to make a judgment based on our present reality about how we choose to engage a new reality. It's a learning process that sometimes can make us feel uncomfortable and can disorient us and challenge our notions. And I believe that that learning process was something experienced by the incarnate Word of God, Jesus Christ. And today's gospel is an example of that. And it's good news because it's not just Jesus doing the right thing right off, but Jesus enters this encounter and is changed 
in every stage of the learning process has been hallowed by Jesus' presence in it. So today's gospel is another particularly challenging text, perfect for a fresh seminarian again, where Jesus says to a woman who's asking for help, he says, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. That statement is jarring. It seems insulting. Jesus is dismissive, perhaps offensive, perhaps racist, as he refers to this woman as a dog. Scholars and communities of faith have struggled to make sense of this gospel text. Is Jesus testing the woman in order to coax a sincere affirmation of faith? Or is Jesus showing his human side, manifesting his first century Palestinian biases, in the context that he lived in in that day. And then the story ends with Jesus exhibiting his God side and showing mercy and love and compassion towards the woman, what we come to expect of Jesus. We don't know what to make of this comment. It's challenging and uncomfortable. It leaves us disoriented. And it can be tempting to ignore it or wash over it, look past it, or at least bury it in the lectionary on a three-day holiday weekend. So I want to offer this new lens to read this gospel text of geography and class. This way we begin to see a more familiar Jesus in this response. So we see first this gospel begins with Jesus on the move. Jesus is crossing the border from Galilee to Syria. Jesus is a poor immigrant Judean from what good can come of Nazareth, and he is crossing the border to Tyre, the coastal city of the ruling wealthy Roman Empire. The Syrophoenician woman approaches Jesus, enters a house when Jesus needs rest. The woman is by herself, which many have taken to indicate that she is a poor or pitiful figure but it could also mean that she's a woman of incredible status, that she is wealthy and well-off enough to be all by herself in the, in the city and approaching foreign men. This is a role reversal where she's not the beggar woman, but now Jesus sees her in this context, that she is a representation of the Syrophoenician history that has oppressed the Israelites for centuries. This is how Jesus may have understood her question. Now she comes asking also for healing. It's a bit incredulous to think through. Because healing is an intimate act. The second healing story, Jesus is touching the man's ears, he's spitting, he's rubbing, he's whispering, ephephata. This, it's a, all five senses are involved in a healing act. And this woman comes from the city and says, I want in on this. Jesus says, no, you cannot exploit me and also have this intimate relationship with me. This is the Jesus who says this, it's the Jesus who says, 
who confronts the money changers in the temple and turns over the tables. It's the Jesus who confronts injustice and speaks truth to power. When Jesus says it's not fair to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs, we might hear echoes of today's Psalm, verse 3, that says, the scepter of the wicked shall not hold sway over the land allotted to the just. Jesus is protecting the holiness of his healing ministry. But the woman offers a response that challenges Jesus' perception that she couldn't be asking sincerely. Jesus pegs her as part of the Syrophoenician Empire. He says that because she's wealthy, she can't be sincere in faith. With a careful reading of the woman's response shows that she is actually sincere in faith. She uses a different word for child when Jesus says child in the first sentence. She changes what she uses. The word she uses has this nuance that the child is a child of a learning age. Jesus is a fan of wordplay, in case you haven't noticed. And he picks up on this cue. That the woman conveys that she comes knowing that following Jesus is a life of discipleship. She's not coming for the, the magic show. She's not coming for tricks up sleeves. She's coming appreciating Jesus for the holy mystic he is. And now Jesus is confronted with this disorienting dilemma. Can he be coming to offer God's kingdom to the very people, to the very kingdom, the people of the kingdom who have oppressed his people? It's very uncomfortable. But Jesus sits with the woman and allows her answer to transform him. And in the end, he sees her with sincere need and authentic relationship and offers true justice of giving her healing that she needs. This is the good news. The opportunity and capacity for transformation in our life is good news. Not just Jesus did the right thing, but that Jesus learned in each stage. That Jesus realized his perceptions that he entered with. He, he was open to being challenged and changed them. Jesus dwells in each of these stages of the learning process. And by Jesus' presence there, he hallows it. And there's grace there for us as we grow through the same sets of learning and transformation. Jesus gives us an example of how to move past our assumptions so that we can have a real and true honest encounter with the other where we recognize their dignity and humanity and can respond to them out of the care and compassion we expect Jesus to respond with. Where in our lives are we experiencing learning like this? It's often where we see division. Just as Jesus crosses the border into Tyre, we are often confronted with crossing a border, straddling a division. 
those divisions can prevent us from authentic relationship, from seeing the needs of others. In Jesus' time, class and geography were obvious divisions, and those remain prevalent in our time as well. What other divisions do we hold tightly to in order to affirm our identity, where we might be denying others their identity? Divisions over politics, over how we can respond to COVID, divisions between generations, divisions between Dodgers fans and Giants fans, between the 8 a.m. service and the 10 a.m. service. Can you cross these divisions? Can you sit with the other just as Jesus sat with the woman in today's gospel and allow the encounter with the other to transform you, disorient you, challenge you? That's when learning happens. It's an uncomfortable place to sit. But when we recognize our own discomfort and we can name our limitations, then we can experience God's grace. And that's when it's most powerful. Amen.